Hey there, Michael Zuber, one rental at a time. And something I wanted to let you know about is a brand new podcast, a podcast that I was lucky enough to be guest number one. It is called Resilient Real Estate Investing. Do me a favor, go check it out. Just in the last couple of weeks, not only has my episode aired, but you heard from a syndicator who spent eight years in prison. You've heard from a movie theater operator who has had their side hustle produce 20 properties. Future episodes will record around the Roofstock's head coach, a college student evaluating properties, and of course, an army recruiter who discovered private money. Again, do me a favor, check out Resilient Real Estate Investing. On with the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. Michael Zuber, one rental at a time. Back with his good friend, Dion from Dion Talk. How you doing, buddy? Howdy, Mike. Doing great. Ready for round one. Awesome, man. So, uh, you know, we talk a lot about buying rentals. We, we've talked a little bit more about helping first-time home buyers. Uh, I thought maybe we'd flip the script and actually talk about being a home seller. Uh, we are seeing, um, you know, listings, days on market are growing. Uh, in some markets, growing quite extensively. We are seeing inventory rise in many markets, not all. I actually think national inventory is down month on month, but some, you know, some markets inventory is up. So let's just brainstorm, play a game of ping pong. Uh, if we were a seller today and we had our property listed and it wasn't selling, nobody was showing up, what are some things we might do? Uh, Dion, you are the guest. Uh, what, what would be one thing you would consider? Well, I'm actually really glad you asked this question. A, f- a friend of ours, um, Julie, had reached out saying, I have my property listed and it's not selling. And I could almost draw a blank because I've only purchased. <laughs> I I was really looking forward to talking with you because you've sold. Sure. And as a as a lay person who's only purchased and, you know, uh, held cash flowing rentals, if you're going to sell, the, the biggest lever we have, of course, is price. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How would a seller yeah, put in the listing things like we'll pay closing costs, we'll buy your rate down, you know, those kind of things that the buyer's usually trying to negotiate for. Yeah. So I think there's, so let's, so if Julie had called me and said, Hey, Michael, my property has been listed. Do you by chance know her price point? Uh, she's in the Seattle ish area. So right, probably so, not too low. Yeah. So let's just assume it's a median home price in their market. Like, so the, so the feedback is for anybody across the country. If your median's 250, it's 250. Your median's 800, it's 800. Median price home, nothing special, not small, not big, median home. Okay. With that caveat. Um, I think there's a couple of questions I would I that come off the top of my head first, and then you pretend to be Julie and just make up answers because I need these answers to get creative. Okay, so I think the first thing I would ask Julie is, um, uh, what is the listing ac- activity uh, of similar homes? I know your house is special. I know it's this. I know everybody thinks their house is special, but Julie, how many other three twos or four twos are listed in your market? within 10 percent nah, of your list price i, I want to know that number so that's the first thing i would ask so i do know that julie's comments are similar houses two months ago like most people are experiencing in markets we're selling quickly yeah well so, you miss yeah unless you have a delorean with a time machine in it that's miss that mark miss that mark yeah that's that's unfortunately you know uh, an opportunity cost missed, a sunk cost, whatever you want. We, we have to deal with the market we have, not the market we had. 
the other thing I do know is that she's looking to redeploy the funds. Mm -hmm. So this is not something that she can go seller financing as an option. Right. Okay. So that's not an option. Uh, obviously, I'm going to assume Julie <clears throat> has debt on it. It's not free and clear. Yes. Any guesstimate on the percentage? I mean, are we talking she's 95% leveraged, 80% leveraged, 50%? Any From guesstimate? what I could tell, she's had it for a while. Okay. So I don't think it's too leveraged. I would say 70% or less. Okay. So let's so median home price, we'll just say 500 for easy math. Let's say 70%. So she's got 150K in equity. I'm just trying to play this out in my mind. Uh, so there's a couple of things. Um, and she wants and she wants to deploy the capital. So there's a couple of things to think about. And and again, I would need to, I mean, I would have to have Julie in front of me to kind of dance this together. But the first thing I would say is, hey, if are you do you have to redeploy the capital now? Right. Or could you wait a year, right? Is this, an, uh, I guess the other thing I have to ask, is this owner-occupied or a rental? It's owner-occupied, and I think she's deploying in a rental. So she could do the IRS 121 rule exclusion, or she could 1031. Okay. Okay. Wow. Lots lots of choices. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, sometimes when you're in a home, you're like, I, I'm tired of this home. I want out. Like the neighbors suck. The, 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 the crime is up. You know, there are other motivating factors. So if there are other motivating factors that makes her need to sell this year, maybe it's tax reasons, right? Hey, I have a, I have a tax loss that I want to use the gain against. There could be reasons for a, a sale this year. I think you have to, sh what's called shooting in front of the deer, right? If the market, you know, is it, you know, we said 500, you know, she's got to list at 475 and hope for a bidding war, right? To, to push it back up. Uh, that is something very, very common. Um, but you also have to be willing to go, hey, if, so, if only one offer comes in, you have to be able to swallow that, right? You're hoping for mold. You're hoping for two to get a bidding war. So you don't sell at 475, you sell at 483. Um, what, what's the etiquette on if she lists it for 475, one offer comes in at 480 and she decides not to sell? Well, it's on her. She's the, she's, she, that's she her choice. She could still just do that, right? She doesn't she have to take. Right? She doesn't. Yeah. It's, I don't, I mean, she'll piss off a real estate agent for sure. Right. Unless she, well, has she that clearly communicates, look, we're going to list it here if it doesn't but, go up to. But here, I need this. Right. Yeah, I need this. Yeah, she that would uh, I would definitely communicate that. So no surprise to the agent, because that would be that would be ungood. Um, so that's one option. The other option, again, that, that I'm looking at is if she has time. And again, this is this is risky. This is without question risky. Uh, housing has seasons. It's called seasonality. We have unfortunately left the good time, which was two months ago. We are entering perhaps the darkest of dark times. I have no idea where interest rates will be, no idea what inventory will be. It could be a totally bananas market. But if I could, I might wait till March, the spring selling season. Actually, in Seattle, speaking with Beth, she actually tells me Seattle is a little off season. So Beth, again, this is Beth's experience, not mine. She says January is the season. So if it was me and I wasn't getting what I wanted, I mean, there's just not enough buyers, right? Rates are going up. Buyers are backing away, all scared. I might take it off, let it sit for a while and go forward. Well, that was the one thought that I had. Um, and it wasn't because I've ever sold a property. It's because as a buyer, all but one of my deals mm -hmm. closed between November and February when there's less competition. Exactly. So if you're going to sell, it makes sense that you would want the most competition. Correct. And that does make sense to, if, if possible, waiting until peak season. Yeah. 
The other thing you could do, but this is already happening. This is not really a new thing, but she could write right in the seller description. There's a seller description that you can look at on Realtor Zillow is say seller to pay closing costs, or, or I would probably say seller to pay up to two or 3% of points, you know, buyer discretion, how to use it. You could put that in there. Um, nice. yeah. That essentially is a 3% cut in price. Um you know, there's, there's, so again, 30% equity. She wants to use the capital. Um, I mean, the other thing she could do is, I mean, maybe there's a couple of things in her house. Again, it's amazing. We've gone from the hottest sellers market where sellers had to do nothing to, you know what, if you just declutter your house, it looks better. If you, you know, if you paint the one accent wall that you thought was awesome, a more neutral color, right? Buyers are picky today, right? If you walk in and you're, you know, you went to University of Texas and you have your UT orange accent wall because it's important to you, not going to be important to buyers in Seattle, at least most cases. There are some things that we think are special that didn't matter last time that you may want to take a hard look at. You haven't had to do this for three or four years. These, these are some things I probably would look at. And then curb appeal, especially the front yard. Uh, I can't tell you uh, how important curb appeal is. Like a lot of people in a market that is slowing down, they don't even attend the open houses. They drive by and they look, hey, the, the curb appeal is ugly. And if they don't take care of the outside, the inside must be ugly. They just make badass assumptions. So I, I think curb appeal is under, like front yard curb appeal is underappreciated. Well, I think when it comes to selling, it's like listing a rental. Mm -hmm. It's always worth paying for professional pictures. If oh, that's have, a great point. If you have from your phone at a canted angle and and you don't know the best angles to take of the, of the room versus somebody who's done hundreds over the last several years, uh, I haven't looked at her listing, but that would be one of my first suggestions. It's You're just right. like when I list a rental, I don't go great up there idea. and take a couple cell phone pictures and put it up. The properties I've purchased have usually been with really bad photos. I thought, uh, me too. that's an agent that doesn't know what they're doing. I have all the power here. Yeah. Me too. Um, yeah, the, the last thing I have to I have to tell everybody, if you are the seller, you again, I've tried to tell people this for months, you have to reset expectations. We got used to days on market being 14. Days on market, historically speaking, are north of 40. So if you've had your listing on there for three weeks, it feels like an eternity because of June. It is not. You're, you might be priced right. You might be. It's just going to take 40 days to get the right buyer to swing by. Buyers are being pickier. Buyers are slowing down. Um, you just have to, you, every, all sellers have to reset expectations. Most sellers are already resetting on price. They're resetting on terms. But folks, reset your expectation about days on market. And then lastly, that winner comment, you're, you're absolutely right. Don't, if you don't have to sell between Thanksgiving and New Year's, Get your property off the market. Relist it when the hot season starts. Uh, otherwise, you're going to get guys like me and Dion are just going to bid low because if we don't get your house, we'll get another one. One rental is just as good as the other. We're, we're going to be cheap-ass people. So a couple of things as I wrap up here. The first thing is clear communications with your agent really matters. Yes, I made an offer yesterday on a property that came out. It was two days on the market, and I'm 30000 under asking. Nice. Confident in my ability. That's where I would... That's what I would buy it at. It's it's probably going to sit like other properties have been. It hasn't already. So that seller's not in the mindset of taking that. But I'm setting early. And I told my agent, I says, look, follow it's probably up, not going to get accepted. Up. 
Yeah. But he was like, I totally get it. I understand because I've worked with him a bunch. Yeah, you got to bait the hook. This is all, if your first offer is accepted, you paid too much. I hope people hear that. Right. And then the second thing, our friend Julie can take away a superpower from this experience. Her goal was to sell the house, redeploy the funds into it, I think a small multifamily. She now knows the stress that happens to the seller if you don't sell as quick as you were expecting to. Mm -hmm. So when she does sell this and she looks at those small multifamily, look at the days on market. Somebody that has as many as you did, Julie, is just as stressed as you are right now. They're not watching our content. They don't have people like me and Mike to reach out to and say, hey, what would you do in this situation? So their stress level is going through the roof, which is what's going to give you the power when it comes to negotiating. Absolutely. And remember, any haircut you take on your sale, go get the haircut from the your next purchase as well. Don't, don't overpay. Dion, where can people find you? Right here on YouTube. Dion talk financial freedom. Thank you, buddy.